Cavs.com, podcast, CavsCorner.com, your source for sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, August the 1st. August is here. Thanks the Lord himself. Um, that means football is very close. The Cavaliers will open up um, fall camp on Friday morning. Um, we will be able to at least be there for part of it, and then we'll have access to coaches and players and things like that. And we'll get that for the 3rd, the 10th, and the 17th before Broncos game week pressure on the 27th. So, look, football is not that far away. Um, so, naturally, we're going to talk about basketball recruiting, much to the chagrin of my, my two fellow panelists on this year's program. Up in uh, Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How are you, my friend? Oh, I'm just doing great, Brad. Looking forward to getting into this topic. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> Up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber's also on the show. How are you, man? Doing well. Uh, day before football, let's get into some basketball talk at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. All right, listen, it it we're not even going to pretend that this is not a Brad chosen topic. And if you hate it, it's not it's my fault, and you don't have to talk about it. Um, but well, we're professionals; uh, they will not be able to tell it from our tone. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure they will. From this point forward, are, you guys are doing a great job of of just keeping that one to yourself. Um, you're just so touchy feely about this whole entire topic. All right. I wanted to talk about the potential changes to recruiting. I mean, look, we Virginia basketball, definitely the driver on my site beyond football um, recruiting, kind of a, an important part of my business. And so I was really curious to, to sort of talk about this. Uh, my two fellow panelists, not so much. And I'm curious as to why you guys, I mean, like I actually kind of wanted to start there. Why do you feel like this isn't, is it just because it feels too like disconnected from something that, um, that you seriously want to, you know, dive into? Is it, do you just not think that it matters? Like what Dave, what would you say is, is sort of your, uh, your relative, your, your reasoning for being so kind of meh about talking about these uh, potential changes to the basketball recruiting calendar? I mean, uh, I think I'm meh because, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when the rice report came out, we heard about, we need, need to do away with AAU tournaments, got to get, a, get the, you know, the sneaker money out of basketball. Um, and then we, kind of heard some rumors that was going to happen and now the official rules come out and other than that one you know other than the nba camp you know the camp with the nba and usa basketball all that stuff essentially all they did was change the calendar around so I, I don't know there's to me it seems like a much much ado about nothing um i'm guessing the coaches will disagree with that april period and you know, that seems to be the biggest change i don't know it, it's just so much randomness and because of how quick they change it, I just I would not be shocked to see it change again. What about you, Ferber? What's your what's your general what's your general reasoning for the malaise on this particular subject? Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily that. It's I mean, I like the camp idea, but like Dave said, I feel like it's just the dates are changing. Um, you know, it might move some commitments up, you know, that sort of thing, uh, or back. Uh, it, it affects the coaches a lot, obviously. I mean, their whole schedule gets changed, but. Um, or at least some of it does, but I don't think it's going to have like a demonstrative effect on the UVA basketball program or anything like that. All right. That's fair. I, look, I, all right. So let's, let's kind of recap for, for folks what these changes are and are not. And I'm not going to, um, to read for you, Matt Norlander's piece on CBS sports, but I am going to kind of reference it at times. There's a, there, there's a thread on the board. Uh, feel free to pop in there and, and do whatever you need to do. 
So basically what they're talking about doing is changing the recruiting calendar for hoops so that instead of July being the end all be all um, where you get multiple weeks of four or five days on the road, um, multiple events, that kind of thing, they're basically going to shrink that down to just one. Uh, originally they weren't going to have any, but they did decide to save peach jam because that is such a, um, it's such a well thought of and well run and sort of well competed event that, that I think, uh, the feedback from the coaches was pretty unanimous on that, that they need to keep peach jam. Um, and in addition to that, what they're going to do is they, they want to do these schedule that they basically these series of like what they're calling like non, or excuse me, they want to get rid of the non scholastic events, which is basically the shoe companies. One of the reasons I wanted to discuss this is because I, I don't think it's going to revolutionize Virginia basketball recruiting, but it's going to be a substantial change. And the re and the reason that I'm pointing it out now is because it's coming at a time when UVA is trying to put together a big class because now, in addition to what they would have in the summer, instead of just having a couple of of, of open weekends in um, in in the spring, they're talking about having potentially uh, visits where coaches could um, have in-home visits in the spring. Now, they only get 130 of those, um, 130 days to recruit on the road um, per year. Now, that's not going to change. But if you use your in-home visits... Um, that means you can't use them later. And I think so that does stay, change some of the strategy. It is going to move some things up, but it also I think is going to make it so that teams like Virginia, which typically are not late to the party on kids, they're usually the ones that are on them earlier. I actually think that this could be a substantial sort of positive for them in the sense that while while Tony is, is notorious for being a stingy recruiter, I mean, he you really got to impress him in order for him to offer. I do think that these April dates – uh, for especially right now, because UVA is so far ahead on those 2020 kids. If this goes into effect and it goes into effect next spring, Virginia's got a leg up in a in a class that could be a monster for them in a in a in a year where the where the talent is is really off the chart. I mean, there's going to be a lot of talented kids. 2020 is is like the inverse of what 2017. Uh, in 2018 were where we had you had a, a a handful of like really really top end players but then beyond them you didn't really have you know a really deep bench you just had a bunch of guys who were crammed maybe in that like top 35 to 75 range who would normally have been in like the top 65 to 95 somewhere in that range right you had a you had a, you everything was kind of was kind of cramped you just had a bunch of like lower lower like lower dudes but who were ranked higher and so as schools looked and looked and looked and tried to find um, kids that they liked, that was harder for them because the middle of the top 100 just wasn't as good. 2020 is the opposite. That thing is loaded, uh, especially for, you know, when it comes to guards. So I, I don't think that this is going to revolutionize by any stretch, but I do think it's going to be, uh, it could be a potentially um, important change for UVA. Um, from Norlander's speech, uh, coaches taking advantage of, of April home visits will also be encouraged to visit high schools. Um, that they're recruiting uh, in the four business days that follow certified events. So basically what they're saying is, is they, they there's an emphasis on the high school thing. And I think that's something we're going to keep seeing. It's like, it's like the rice commission um, um, Emirates whole push th that created this, this, this change in general. Like the idea here is that like the AAU programs are what's wrong. Um, and that's really the only thing connecting these changes, in my opinion, to anything that happened with the FBI investigation is this idea that 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 
that the AEU programs are the root of all the evil. And so you just go back to the high schools. There's this big push about high schools. Uh, you're going to see a lot of like potentially camp opportunities, which I'm not really sure e even really good for folks. Like you're going to invite 1100 kids to a, even if you're going to do it in regional camps, like how I don't understand that, how that really helps the, the players when they all go to a camp uh, versus when they have teams and they can, you know, practice and then showcase themselves uh, in, in, in actual basketball games. Um, what do you guys think of this kind of push uh, from from the from the powers that be to sort of get rid of AU? Do you feel like that's just window dressing to try to make the PR part go away? Do you think that this is a real thing that's going to happen? Like, do we uh, are we looking at a future where the AU scene is going to start to uh, to dwindle and dwindle? What do you think, Dave? Do you feel like that's something that's realistic? I mean, dwindling. Um It'll be interesting to see. Like, I don't know that what's here is enough to get rid of AAU. Um, you know, obviously, running a sporting goods store, I, I kind of deal with high school sports on a daily basis. the The trend is even in sports outside of basketball, players are playing for your high school doesn't mean when it used to. You know, your your travel baseball, your travel softball, your your AAU basketball team. Um, those coaches have more influence in your life than your high school coach. And usually your high school coach is someone you deal with just to play high school ball until you can get back to AAU. So I don't know that this is going to change that short term. And if anything, I think just because the AAU coaches know these kids, you know, this isn't going to be an overnight change. So what I think we might see is either kids, a not playing high school basketball at all um, just so that, there's no point of reference. You know, if they want their AU coach to be their point man, they don't play high school ball, then you can't really talk to the high school coach about them. Or B, they're going to transfer somewhere, or the AU coach is going to end up getting a high school gig. So there's going to be, you know, the influence there. And it's not just money driven, it's it's parent driven, all the money they've spent training with this certain coach. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, going back to like the recruiting, the April thing you were talking about, what strikes me so weird about this is, Look, the players we're talking about that cause all this issue, where you're, you're what top twenty, top thirty caliber kids, um, those are the ones that the school, you know, the shoe companies or whoever was willing to, you know, to skirt the rules for. I don't think they they're not committing in April of their junior year. You know, no, they're not. It's 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 the Todd Jerome, Kyle guys, like those guys. Those are the guys who yeah. are going to be influenced by that. So you're right. It will help Virginia, a school that's traditionally recruited outside that top 25, even top 50. But it's not going to take away – look, a, a dude in, in April, you know, Coach K going to see a guy as a junior in April, he probably isn't going to commit to Duke because Coach K is not going to be able to offer him because he's still waiting to see which jun you know, which seniors are going to come back for the following season. I mean, that's – you're talking six weeks before the – the deadline to withdraw from the NBA draft, like the amount of roster change that happens between April, a year and a half before you graduate, you know, um, it's just crazy. So that doesn't make much sense to me. That's one of the reasons this topic kind of blows my mind. Like what top 20 players recruiting in April are going to be swayed in April. He's going to be swayed by who's left on the roster. You have the following April. Um, Ferber, what about you? What do you, what are your, what are your general sort of reactions to, uh, to this? Do you feel like this is gonna, uh, I mean, is this aimed at trying to get rid of the AU do you think, or is this something that, that, that is sort of just part and parcel to having an, a PR problem that you're just 
you know, looking, looking, looking to find an answer for. Yeah, I mean, I think AAU mostly for the for good reason um, has kind of taken the the brunt of the blame for all the stuff that has gone on in the last year or so. Um, the culture around AAU, uh, the idea of having handlers and all that stuff. Uh, I think that stems from the AAU culture. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know that changing it, you know, we talked about this a while back. I think players will still get paid all that good stuff. Um, I don't think changing the powers that be to somebody else is necessarily going to fix all those problems. Um, but I think that this commission and the NCAA kind of had had no choice but to to kind of strip the AAU of some of their power, so to speak. Um, what I think we could see is we could see um, a lot more players. Uh, Dave was talking about, you know, like th- they'll still, you know, use AAU as their their platform or whatever. Um, I could see a situation where it boost the number of transfers specifically to private schools. I think if, if those schools and uh, you know, like if AAU does get less influence over time, I think those school coaches will probably become a little bit more powerful and, and be able to lure high end recruits to all, you know, a bunch of them to one school just because, um, and that's already happening to some extent, but you know, just with the idea of this will be like a, you, you know, we're putting you out there with the best guys and, and we'll get the most exposure for you. So I could see a lot more players deciding to go to private school, which is something that's already happening. Um, but I, I just, I could see, you know, maybe that dynamic changing a little bit. Yeah. I'd buy a lot of stock in like IMG and Fort Union. And yeah. That's kind of what I mean. Those types of places, not necessarily like, you know, the smaller private schools. Right. And what's interesting too, is that like, do we really think that the shoe companies are going to say, okay, the NCAA, let's say there was some, let's say the NCAA, whatever the NCAA does, there's some like adverse reaction in the AU programs that we, as we know them, the, you know, the, the, the Adidas gauntlet and the, um, and the, um, EYBL and the under, um, under armor series. Like, let's say all of those go away. What, what, what is going to happen? The, the shoe companies are just going to go and spend more money at the private schools. You know, does anybody think that like Oak Hill doesn't get a substantial check from Nike? Right. I mean, like that's a big part of what sort of runs that program. And so all it's going to do is just move is move the, the, the chess pieces around. And this idea, it's funny to me, too, because it happens on the football side. This idea that like the seven on seven coaches in football were evil. Right. But it was, we you know, need to return the, the, the power back to the high school coaches like like high school coaches aren't just as twisted up. You know, like the, there aren't high school coaches that are looking out for themselves instead of looking out for the kids. I mean, like that's just the. The, the, I guess that's the price of doing business with humans. Like humans make mistakes and humans are, are, um, are flawed. And I just, I, I just don't know if like that really checks the boxes uh, for me. Yeah. In terms don't of don't like, forget a lot of these high school coaches are also in the off season coaching a travel team. So they're giving preference to their dudes who are playing high school ball under them. So, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of, you know, just horrible, horrible stuff that's going on. I feel bad for the kids now, but, you know, they do they do, do get a lot more exposure than, say, was available when I was playing, you know, sports at, at that age. But I don't know that it's all good. So one live period in April, um, it looks like, um, 
if and then in May, no, no, no live period. But kids could stay, still take visits. In June, they would do the final two weekends would include scholastic sponsored events that would begin on a Friday and, in, and on Sunday. Um, they, these events would be put on in conjunction with the states as well as um, the basketball coaches associations in those states. Um, so there's no apparel deals in place for these for these camps. This would be basically just high school kids um, absent um, anything. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting about some of the conversation around this was that, you know, NBA camp is usually in June and NBA camp is absolutely a, um, you know, a sponsored sort of event considering, um, you know, that the, the players association, you know, contracts out with, uh, they've done Adidas in the past. Um, I think, I think they went to, um, to Nike this year. Um, so, I mean, that's been a thing. Um, but anyway, the idea is here that they would basically take these, shoe companies out of the equation um, and then let June be basically a month for the coaches to go on the road and see kids at these camps. Um, and, and then that would put more pressure because they would only have the one weekend uh, in, in July, um, which would put Adidas and night and, and Under Armour in a tight spot because you want to schedule all your, um, your, your big events at the same, you're going to have to have them all at the same time. If you want the coaches there, I mean, realistically coaches are going to be a peach jam. Um, so do, do, how to, how does Adidas, how does Under Armour structure itself? And what does that mean for the big picture? Because what you could have is you might have created a, a domino effect where now you have more kids jumping from teams and there's all this like, um, drama that wasn't there before, because now you've, you've basically, you've introduced an, an option for those two shoe companies because they might not want to go up directly against Peach Jam where they, their, their series is, are, are, are altered and therefore in earlier um, because the third week of July is always like that. You have a bunch of kids who who leave their their program to go play with somebody else. But doesn't that invite more opportunity for for handlers and for nefarious folks to get in there and try to do something shady? I, I just don't know, like if the if if any of these changes really. Like I, I guess I'm looking for some some through line as to what the rationale was for. All right, we need to do this, and here are the reasons why. None of this stuff makes much sense to me. Um, you know, if you want to be you you say you want to have these events certified uh, through the NCAA. Okay, that's that that I understand. You you want to have some side, sort of uh, control, or excuse me, some sort of insight. But like the people who control these events, like they're there. Like you can go talk to them. And I think one of the things that's frustrating for me as somebody who covers this is like you don't see these people from these commissions at these events. Like maybe David Robinson went because his kid played, but that's basically the extent of it. I mean, I don't think Condi Rice was. I didn't see Condi Rice reportedly at different AAU tournaments. You know what I mean? Like it would, it would, it would be, it would be like, all right, we're going to fix this. Now tell me what it is we're fixing. Like, I just don't think a lot of these people have any real idea what the actual conditions are are like on the ground. And again, I understand that this is um, still, you know, it's still um, recommendations. Nothing's been official, but it does seem like this is the kind of thing that happens where these sort of things leak. And the next thing you know, that's the thing that the, that the governing body, um, approves going forward, Ferber. Let's go back to you. What when if these th- if these are the changes a- as as described? If let's just assume that this is what gets passed. What other steps do you feel like the NCAA should take in order to sort of not just not for the just the PR problem, but also for you know trying to actually address the actual problem w- aside from paying players, which we all know is the is the um, is the actual way to to fix a lot of this. But what do you feel like the the NCAA? What the next steps would be? Uh, if they decided after the, after doing this that they wanted to do something else, 
I mean, honestly, I think it would be more on the back end. I think that they should just make it clear that, um, I mean, everybody's situation is different, but I think they should make it clear that, you know, if, if a person of a parent or a, a coach pays a player, you know, and, and it's obvious and they have proof, um, like with the Brian Bowen situation, he ended up at South Carolina and I think he went pro, um, if I remember correctly. You know, like th- there was some talk about him maybe having to serve like a, a three-year penalty or something like that. Now, I don't want a, a player to lose all of his eligibility because one of his parents took money, but I feel like there should be some sort of, you know, at some point it becomes how are you going to explain to these parents that what they're doing or these AAU coaches or whoever, that what they're doing is unethical and they can't do it. Um, I mean, if they feel like, well, we can take the money and we might not get caught. And if we do get caught, the penalty won't be that severe or he can transfer or whatever. Um, then then what's the what's the downside to doing it? Um, I mean, if you're talking about potentially losing your eligibility over it, and obviously like that would be a shame for the for the players involved, but um, you know, it, something has to be done to convince people that you know, like a deterrent, um, you know, whether it's a punishment or, or whatever. Um, but, you know, again, if they don't pay the players, like I've said always, uh, if, you know, if the players aren't played or if the payers aren't played, if the, if the players aren't paid, well, that's a, a lot. Um, then, uh, you know, there's always going to be a black market for that. So, I mean, I don't think you can totally get rid of it. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. It's in. Ideally, the NCAA would have a really good enforcement and investigative arm that showed up before someone else, you know, was constantly monitoring stuff. But look, it's it's just unrealistic. Um, all these changes, the idea of change is good, right? And I think the the, the premise of, of doing something different is good. But I think for me, the the overall process, the overall report, the overall plan. Um, it's not going far enough. Like it's leaving enough possibilities to fall back into the same traps. You know, it's, it's trying to change, but not changing enough. Like if, for example, the peach jam weekend. Okay. You know, Virginia's a Nike school, but guess what? You know, they go to Adidas events to go to other events, but that's because they can go pretty much all the month of July. Right. So if you're an Adidas school, and there's only one weekend your coach is going to be able to show up at an AAU event. Do you not think Adidas is going to tie your compensation from them as a college coach to making sure your face is at their Adidas event that, that they're going to put on the same weekend as Peach Jam because it's open for coaches now? So, like, that's going to happen. I mean, there's no way they're going to, Adidas is going to pay Coach X. You know, I'm trying to think of Adidas school off the top of my head, but um, Kansas. Yeah, can't. They're not going to pay self. You know, self's not going to get the same compensation like Tony Bennett does for Nike. If self is sitting at the Peach Jam instead of being at the Adidas event, that they're going to switch to that weekend. So there, you're going to have some some stuff we don't see now just because of the the condensed time period. Um, also, you know, I can think the thing we're kind of overlooking is none of this is tied to the NBA changing their, you know, changing. Um, eighteen-year-old eligibility from the NBA draft. So you pretty much just 
you're changing a lot on the NCAA level, but you're not giving them an out. So there's still gonna there's still gonna be some some incentive to you know to push the limits. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, to me, it's just it's it's change, and I guess for feeling better that things are gonna change. It, it's out there, but I don't think it takes away the issue. And then we're, we haven't even got into the, like, like who's running this NBA camp? Like, who's running the NCAA camp? What coaches are they going to use? Does that coach have an advantage? Like, does Coach K get to go run this? Because I keep bringing him up because I hate him. But <laughs> does he get to go run it because he has a connection to the USA basketball and he's an NCAA coach? Um, we joke about, you know, the advantage of having the NBA, you know, camp in Charlottesville, but you know, there's going to be some coaches. They're obviously they're going to bring college coaches to run this 1,100 player camp. You don't want to be one of the coaches who, you know, one of the schools that don't have a coach there. I wouldn't think so. There's just there's so many questions. I, I don't know if it's going to fix the problem. Well, and it's not just that. It's not just determining who actually gets to actually work the camp, right? If the NCAA selects different coaches to be at these different uh, events to to run them, the coaches themselves are going to be apparently uh, the ones who sort of put names up for for building the list of these 1,100 kids. The reason that 1,100 is the number is because the NCAA has determined that that's basically the number of scholarship kids that there are right. So not only are the, are, are some, some sort of coaches are going to be working with the kids directly. Um, now, whether those are coaches that are part of the NCAA or whether those are former coaches or how that process works, I'm not real sure, but the bottom line is the same, which is that somebody's working with them, but then also too, somebody's recommending them. And that invites a whole other can of worms, right? Which is like, all right, what coaches do you, li- does the NCAA listen to? Do Does each team get a certain number of like, recommendations. I mean, like there's just a bunch of possibilities for favoritism and all kinds of, you know, stuff that you basically don't want. And if you're looking for a a quote unquote new system to replace a system, which you feel like is broken, maybe not putting in place one that can so clearly be, um, you know, used for nefarious reasons or for maybe not stuff that's above board, isn't the best look. Um, but again, like that's sort of, I mean, that's sort of, part and parcel to just who the NCAA is at sometimes, right? Like, like there's no doubt in my mind that the NCAA does a lot of good for a lot of people. But I also think too, that like the NCAA makes a lot of these mistakes. Um, and, and, and they are very, very uh, telegraphed. I mean, you can sort of just see the, see the car wreck coming and this just feels like the most recent one. Um, let's, let's switch gears uh, in terms of basketball and let's talk about the out of conference schedule. Um Dave, I, I'm going to let you be the chief summarizer in chief uh, on this one uh, t- to tell the people about the, your thoughts on the out of conference schedule. What do you like? What do you don't like? Uh, and then Ferber, you can chime in thereafter. I mean, yeah, trying to pull it up. We switched off that topic. I was so excited for I had notes. I had to go back. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's not the most daunting out of conference schedule we've had. That's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I think looking at her overall, it's pretty safe to say that uh, at South Carolina is probably our toughest. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's our toughest out of conference game. Um, Maryland. Yeah, yeah. Do they still have a program? Um, <laughs> Apparently, Maryland will be fun. Um, glad I'm not covering that one. And God bless you if you are, Brad or Justin. Um, I still think the the tournament the and the Bahamas is probably going to be the uh, the most fun part of our out of conference schedule for me. Uh, like, look, it, it's going to be fun to play Maryland. I just that place. I'm just detested by it. 
Um, BC bad times. Pretty... Bad times last time I was there. I'll tell you that. Bad times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, VCU will be okay. Um, like I said, I mean, overall, it's not the most daunting schedule. I think the uh, the biggest thing for me is whether they're going to try to squeeze an ACC game in before Christmas or before the New Year's. And, and we kind of talked off air about it. I, I, it's hard to see it happening um, given the way the schedule breaks. But um, I was talking to some some other friends because I have friends outside of you two. Um, yeah, I kind of refer to the first the first three games as the Jay Huff Invitational. That's where he's going to come out and have a great show, and everyone's going to expect him to do it all year, just like he did last year. Um, so hopefully, hopefully it'll it'll continue beyond Towson, George Washington, and Coppin, Coppin State. Yeah, uh, I think uh, having the season start on a Tuesday—that's kind of an interesting wrinkle. Um, it's something that we knew was coming because they changed the rule, which I think is smart. Um, because Tuesday, you just there's not you're not competing against anything. There's no NFL or anything, and you'll get a lot more exposure than you will on a, uh, on a Friday. Uh, the college basketball season for years has kind of opened up in dark. I mean, like th- there's a few games, there's usually a game, you know, like in the middle of the ocean on an aircraft carrier or something. Um, but m- for the most part, UVA is playing like UNC Greensboro and watch ESPN or whatever. Um, pretty quiet start to the season. And, and why would you want to start it off that way? So I think having an opening night on Tuesday, uh, a lot of teams will be playing, but obviously they'll have the Champions Classic games those days. I think I think that's good. Um, yeah, I think they have a pretty light opening to the schedule. Um, I'd say Maryland is probably the toughest scheduled game at this point. Obviously, if they make it to the final of the uh, uh, Battle for Atlantis, I'm assuming they'll play you know somebody pretty good, Florida or something. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, I guess we'll have to see what happens there, but. Uh, it's not a super, super light schedule, but at the same time, I, I don't think UVA is going to lose more than a game, maybe two at the most. I kind of feel like I'm the game, the game I'm most excited about covering. Um, I can't decide if it's um, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, you, you nailed it. Um, I wonder, like, I mean, the Maryland thing is, I'm really getting tired of of Maryland always coming back. Maryland's like a bad penny. Like every time you feel like you're, you're done with them, they just sort of find a way to sneak back in. Um, I thought I was done with Maryland, but apparently I'm not. And that's, I guess. Okay. Um, I, I, I wonder what the response will be to Virginia pre or I guess early season. Let's say, I mean, if they, if they run through this non-conference schedule uh, undefeated, um, how, how do we think people are going to respond? Not Virginia fans. They're going to be excited. But how do we think that the, the collective college basketball world is going to view Virginia this season, given the way the last season ended? What do you think, Dave? How do you, how do you feel like the, that they're going to view the team? It literally is nothing Virginia can do in the regular season other than not make the tournament that will do anything to change anyone's opinion. You know, if Virginia misses a tournament, they're going to be like, oh, see, they were just a, you know, just a, a, you know, a blip on the radar. They're, they're nothing now. It would just be like that game ruined their program. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be it. It would just be, you know, that, that was just the beginning of the end. Um, I mean, I, I, honestly, I I believe Virginia could go undefeated, win the ACC tournament and it wouldn't matter, you know, until whatever happens in, in the big, in the big dance, that's all that people care about now. And, And to be honest, that's probably how most fans feel now. Um, that's a tough position to be in, but you know, given the coach and the, and the, the makeup of this roster, 
Um, I was thinking about this the other day, like we're so lucky. <laughs> like how, how horrible would that have been if it had been like Ty, you know, Ty and Kyle and like that whole class is last year and they lost to UMBC and then you had a whole bunch of new guys that had that on the shoulders. At least, you know, you lost Devin, you, you lost Isaiah, but for the most part, the entire roster's back and has that chip on the shoulder that kind of got put on it by them, by their own game to relive. So you're, it, it could be much worse, but for me, it doesn't matter. I mean, and that's, what's going to be tough. I think as a fan and probably harder for the fans than the, than the players, but you know, imagine like essentially that's what they did last year. Essentially they went undefeated for a season um, and it got ruined by one game. So God bless them. Yeah, I mean, I feel pretty much the same way. Uh, I think that those feelings, I mean, obviously we talked last year about enjoying the moment, all this stuff. Um, I think at this point, based on what happened in March, I, I don't think it would be wrong to just say, we'll have to see what happens in March. I mean, obviously you want to take care of business during the regular season and put yourself in a position. I mean, the, the regular season basically in college basketball Obviously, fans enjoy the individual games and stuff that happens and going to the games and all that good stuff. Um, but it's really an opportunity to put yourself in a position to be in a good spot when the NCAA tournament comes around. Um, you, you know, you're trying to build your resume up as, as best you can and put yourself in the best possible position to win the national championship, which is a six game single elimination tournament. I mean, the regular season's great, and, and you know UVA got ranked number one. And at the end of the year, I mean, they're going to be remembered for pretty much one thing, except for you know maybe some UVA fans that remember the ACC tournament championship. But I guarantee you, people on the national level will not remember that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that at this point, I think it's kind of fair. I mean, we just have to see what happens at the end of the year. I don't think that um, anything they do in the regular season is going to change that, as long as they are competitive. Um, like Dave said, I think they could be the number one team in the country. They definitely have the pieces to be, um, at some point, you know, the number one team in the country in the polls and, you know, deserve to be there. But at the same time, you know, fans are just going to say, well, it doesn't really matter what they do now. Um, and until that's proven otherwise, I mean, I can't really, I don't think there's a whole lot to say about that. I think it will be proven wrong. I mean, where I think they'll have a chance to redeem themselves, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and fight people on Twitter if that's how they want to feel. Because at this point, I mean, UVA is the only team that's ever lost to a 16 seed. So, I mean, it's not like they share this burden with somebody else. I think the thing too, for me, is that like when I asked the question, I didn't necessarily just mean like that way. I meant like if Virginia came out and, you know, um, not necessarily changed up, but like if, if all of a sudden they're, they're looking to run a little bit more, you can see some sort of changes in the offense and that kind of thing. If that would be something, you know what I'm saying? Like if that would be something that would change, that would, that would basically um, get people's attention or change the narrative. Um, I think in the big scheme of things, we, we know what's going to happen. Virginia's going to go out. They're going to handle business. Um, maybe they, they lose a game here or there, but the, the ACC season will be the, the, um, the, the sort of, um, the thing that they have to tackle first before they can get to the thing that they have to tackle most. Um, and I think we all understand like the pressure that will be on them and that it will be constant and they will hear about it constantly. And we will, we will talk to them about it constantly. And you know, it'll be, it'll be something that fan Virginia fans will be done talking about so quick. 
uh, if they're not already. And it's just going to be the part of every telecast. It's not going to go away until they get to, you know, final four national championship game. Like that's even then it's not, it's probably not ever going to leave. Um, but the bottom line on this team is, is that, you know, today's point, like, yeah, there are, there are guys coming back, um, who have a chip on their shoulder and they're, I think they're going to be very, um, motivated to say the least. Um, uh, I, I don't think that, um, I don't think people are ready for, um, how much that, you know, folks are going to talk about that game. Um, the, the off season, has a way of it bubbles up every once in a while, but man, once that season starts, it's going to be all you hear about. It's like, um, it's going to be, it's, I mean, like imagine if the Shamanad game had happened in this day and age with social media and I mean, it's just going to be everywhere. Um, and so I think, I, I guess my advice for folks would be get a thick skin now. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be kind of rocky, but, um, you know, uh, embrace that not, it, man, embrace it. Well, I think you, think you, you have to, you, you have yeah. to, but I also think that you sort of have to prepare yourself for it, right? There's a difference between yeah. saying, yeah. Hey, look, this is a thing and saying, Hey, look, this is a thing. And we're going to turn it into something positive. Like, I think even as fans, like you're just going to have to deal like with people talking about it all the time. Yeah. Like we talked about when it happened, you know, after the, the gut punch was over, we could actually speak about it. Um, for the, for the fan who's serious enough to probably be listening to this podcast and for the three of us, you know, to be talking about it there is not much difference if we had lost to Kansas state in the second round, as far as how we feel about how the season ended. Right. But now the issue is you got, you know, you know, Joe who works at your office and never played basketball, you know, never paid attention to basketball remembers and gives you a hard time. So in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't change much. So at this point it's, it's almost comical to me and I welcome it. Um, cause I can't change it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and as somebody who 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 has to deal with uh, multitudes of fans, like it's you're also going to have to sort of police yourself. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're going to have to let your own like frustrations and stuff not get the better of you, like with not just people who say it. But like if like that random person who who is a UVA fan who says something, you know, who brings it up out of nowhere, like, oh, blah, blah, like you kind of can't let that happen. And you sort of can't, you know clap back at them like it's just i i I feel like the entire season uh for lack of a description is gonna it's gonna kind of feel like a powder keg that like any second you know like if 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 against coppin state or whoever right there's like any sort of lull everybody's gonna be like "Uh uh-oh you know like that's just the way it's gonna be like in in essence like it's almost like the program has to sort of earn it all over again um and maybe in some way they should i mean that that upset it's a, it's the answer to a trivia question and it always will be. So maybe, maybe that's something that you have to do, but ultimately I I just don't know. Um, I don't know if we're all, if we all have any idea of how it, how it's really going to look on the other side once the season starts. Um, but I, I know one thing is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how Kyle and Ty and, and Dre and those guys attack the challenge. Um, by all accounts, I mean, they've all had really nice off seasons. Um, you know, I posted on the board about, you know, Dre's shot looking better. Um, the, the broken wrist apparently seems to fix uh, some of his mechanics. Um, so if if that's the case, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to him, you know, trying to, to go out there and, and show everybody um, something, something. But ultimately, there's a lot that they have to prove, and it's, it's, it's only going to come with time. Hey, I got a quick fist out of the ball. Uh-oh. Dave, Dave, stealing your, uh, your, your, your thunder there, Ferber. That's uh-huh. fine. I figured Ferber might have been asleep from the earlier conversation. Um, <laughs> let, 
let's assume we, we all would be okay with switching out Coppin State on November 16th. Um, if you could pick one team in the country, even if it's neutral site, if you could play one team on November 16th other than Coppin State, who would it be? Wow. UMBC. <laughs> you know, I was going to say that too. Like, I would. Not really. I mean, like, they're all those players are gone pretty much. Like, they're best players. I mean, and I don't think you need to, like, belabor the point with that. Um, I wouldn't be against playing them at some other time, but, you know, I don't think, you know, because then it would just be a whole thing. It's like, just move on. So, Dave. So I'm going to think about my answer. <laughs> so, Dave, say that to me again. G- give me the so, parameters again. Let, let, let's assume I just went through and picked a game that we could dump. So, I just chose Coppin State because it's, you know, in just happened to be the one I had up when I thought of the question. Um, so you could dump Coppin State, play any other team you wanted. Either my I was going to go neutral court, but let's just let's just say any team home way in neutral court. If you could substitute any game next year for for Coppin State, who would you choose? You know, honestly, I think it would be good for Virginia to play a marquee at a conference game, like a mar- like a big one, not like. Um, you know, Maryland, I know that's part of the challenge, but Maryland or even some, like, give me Kansas or Kentucky, you know, like give, take, take one of those, because I think that's the only thing that's going to prove, I don't know if that's going to prove anything, but I do think that it, it would give, it would give the, the, the moment a big feel, uh, and take the kids out of their comfort zone a little bit. Um, you know, whether it's in Charlottesville, whether it's, you know, in DC, whether it's, you know, there, like whatever it may be, I do think that they're at a point now where they should start scheduling, you know, a marquee game every year. Um, whether, and maybe, maybe they, they start a home and away, um, and then they move to somebody else. But I, I do think that should be, um, on the list. I would, so I would say, you know, um, you know, Duke is obviously going to be one of the best teams in the country. So you get to see them, uh, you know, play Kentucky. I mean, play Kansas. One of one, give me one of the two of them, and um, and I would be all about it. Yeah, I think uh, I'm kind of with you there. Kansas kept coming back for some reason. That would just be to kind of go play there. That would be cool. Um, Ferber's like, I just want to go cover a game. <laughs> yeah, Fall Gallon would be cool. Um, yeah, because I'm not allowed to go to, to big basketball games apparently because <laughs> uh, right. I'm I'm cursed. So yeah, it must be. Um, you know, Michigan came to mind just because they run really good offense, and I think it's always good to expose yourself to that in the regular season. Um, not just, you know, they have good players, but they run good or good sets. I mean, they have one of the best coaches in the country. Um, it would be kind of cool to play Shaka Smart again, um, you know, home and home with Texas or something like that. That might be fun. All right, yeah, Dave, what's your pick? Uh, so when, when I asked the question, it was it was kind of under the premise that someone would say UMBC. Um because that's kind of what I was leaning when I when I thought of it, but you know that that's fun. You win, and then you, you know you feel better for what ten seconds till someone says, "Well, they beat you in the one that mattered." Yeah, so, it's, like, it's, what's the point of that? it's not like you're going to get some vindication. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not like you get to like revenge that loss. Yeah, I mean that loss is still there, and if anything, to show how petty you are that you want to play. Yeah, it's game, like right? oh, they beat him by twenty in November. Congratulations. Also, you should have beat him last time. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's not that that just almost makes it worse. Yeah, but it is tough when you play in the ACC because you're right. You know, we play so many powerhouses, and quite frankly, Virginia is. I mean, other than Duke, I mean, I'm pretty sure Bennett has a winning record against everyone, right? Um, so it's been pretty good for me. It's the reason I was willing to throw out the neutral court or home thing is I would like to go to Kansas. I don't know why, but like like you guys said, 
Like I, I would love to have that like game two or three, just a chance for the team to make a statement nationally. You go into Kansas and play that team. This team's pretty motivated this offseason anyway, but it would be really nice to have a game like that on the road for them to focus on with and not have the UMBC talk. You know, they'll have it. If you can go win in that, maybe you don't have to hear it so much. But either way, like that's a team for some reason Virginia just hasn't crossed paths with, you know. Michigan State, Canada came up. And I figure we'll see them in the NCAA tournament this year. Um, Florida, we're going to maybe get in in Atlantis. So for me, it's I would I just love to go to Kansas. Also, another one that I just thought of would be Georgetown up here in DC. Um, Georgetown's <laughs> not very good, but UVA it would probably be fifty fifty UVA fans. <laughs> so that would be kind of fun. You think it would even be that many? Georgetown fans? Yeah, I, yeah just... I don't know. I mean, I feel like for that kind of game, they probably have a decent turnout of people. Um, and then obviously they have students there. But um, I've been to some Georgetown games. Uh, it's it's pretty dead. I mean, it's not a lot I of mean, people. If it, and the if building's it... just too big. I mean, they can't fill that place. If it was if it was a neutral site game, even if it was in DC, I still think there would be more, way more UVA fans. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I think it's definitely possible that there would be more orange than uh than because there's a ton of alums here and it's two hours away. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, I think it would be. I think it'd be cool. Maybe maybe once Georgetown gets a little bit like more competitive, because I think that Ewing will eventually get them a little bit closer to NCAA tournament caliber than they've been. Maybe that's something they could look into. Yeah, I'm gonna have to see that before I believe that's coming. <laughs> Am I the only one? Like, I'm not, McClung. I don't mean anything negative. I just mean like I just don't know about it. I just, I just mean they're not gonna get much worse. <laughs> like this is it. I mean, yeah. I forget what he said to that that uh, player in the huddle at the timeout last year, but that was oh, kind of funny. Oh, great. Have you ever made that shot or something? Practice like that? that shot. Yeah. 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 Um. The only other school that kind of. Arizona popped in my head a little bit, like, but but I feel like we've played them recently enough. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky, for me, it was between Kentucky and Kansas. Ultimately, I just think Kentucky. If you beat them in November, people just say, "Hey, well, they got a bunch of freshmen. They're figuring it out." Yeah, they haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, so Kansas is kind of the established thing. Plus, I feel like you know the self and and Tony Bennett recruiting um, offers. I think that's the only reason that you want to play Kansas. I think you just want. <laughs> You just want to face Bill Self because you feel like he tries to steal all Tony's recruits. No, no, I honestly like of the big programs. I, I don't, I don't think Kansas is squeaky clean. None of the big programs are, but of those, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I'll say I, I respect Kansas a little more than I respect Michigan State or Kentucky or any of those guys. And well, in a way, Kansas. I mean, they have their one and dones, but they develop players over four years, and and Self is consistently a winner with guys that are four years players and under-recruited players and stuff like that too. So they're not necessarily in that blue blood one and done mold. And it's a great college atmosphere. Like Kentucky still has like that, you know, yeah. doesn't do it. Kind of sterile environment. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a very good place to put a pin in it right after somebody says a sterile environment. Uh, I want to thank uh, Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. As always, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. If you are somebody who found the podcast um, um, and has not um, has not checked out the website, give us a look at Cavs Corner. Obviously, got a lot of uh, camp coverage coming your way. Uh, the final countdown to camp piece will post Thursday afternoon, and then camp itself comes Friday morning. Um, so we'll have lots of stuff uh, about that. Uh, if you are somebody who uh, obviously listens to the podcast because of the website, feel free to go in and give us a review. It would help uh, more people find us. 
Um, so wherever it is that you would review things, uh, go do that. Um, again, thanks to, to David Ferber for once again uh, jumping on and talking about something that they didn't particularly want to talk about. Um, I know I probably made too much too big a deal of that, but I don't care. Uh, it was funny to me. Um, but again, thanks to everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Uh, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.